1: everyone. Welcome back to the Security Token Show, episode 131. We made it. We're dealing with security tokens. We've got everything going on from the institutional news to to the Biden's Bitcoin bill and everything that boomers are adopting. I'm your co-host, Kyle Somlin, joined by my co-host, Herway Konings, and we're here in sunny Miami, Florida, and we can't wait to dive into everything. But before we do that, we have to shout out our sponsor this week. So, Herway, of take course, it away. Kyle, they're the ones who make this all
2: possible. So this week, thank you to Fusong which is Asia's first fully licensed and regulated digital financial ecosystem for security tokens and assets. Licensed in two jurisdictions, both Hong Kong and LeBuan Malaysia region, Fusong operates in a fully licensed and regulated digital ecosystem, which includes Fusong Exchange, a regulated stock exchange for security tokens. Fusong is a driving force and it makes it easy for you to invest into a company as it is to buy products online. Fusong is uh, actually creating a world where investing is is as streamlined as online shopping. Fusong tokenized real world assets with growth potential with blockchain fueling their journey. The future of finance
1: has arrived. Here's your share. Check out Fusong today. Thank you so much to Fusong. And with that, let's get into our top five. Let's do it.
2: Kicking it off with the top five things you need to know right now we're gonna lead with Paxos. Now Paxos has been known for being one of the first crypto companies to be licensed in New York for digital custody, as well as being one of the leading digital custody providers in the industry. And now they have actually officially gone cross border. They're no longer just in the United States as they have received from the Central Bank of Singapore a payments license to operate there and you know bring in their own services to that region, which really actually lets them go into all of Asia, which is actually a really, really big deal. As this becomes a global phenomenon, Paxos is able to tie in financial institutions from all around the globe.
1: In their release, they said they have their offices in Singapore since 2012. So this has been in the works for quite some time. Paxos, of course, you may remember from the show, they are also settling securities with Bank of America. So they're doing a lot of things in the blockchain space. Number two, we've got State Street and Copper. Copper is a large crypto asset custody firm as well, and they are now going to be servicing State Street clients who specifically noted that their individual investors and people through the State Street platform have been demanding these services, and so they're looking to Copper in order to provide it. So it's a huge win for the crypto industry in bringing yet another huge institutional player into the space. Absolutely, big
2: news. Moving into number three, we've got Exodus. Uh, exodus is well known for you know being a huge custody player in the space well over a million users supporting security tokens and crypto and most well known for maxing out the first ever rank a plus offering enabling a security token for its users and investors to participate and it got listed on t0 shortly afterwards where it has been doing, seeing some movement, but now it looks like we've got word that they're also moving to Securitize. So X's will also be listed on Securitize, Huge news, especially we'll see as this is one of the first big debuts on the securitized marketplace.
1: Yeah, they'll now be dual listed on T0 and securitized markets. It'll be fascinating to see how it affects liquidity. I'm sure that Sam Sachs will give you plenty of updates there in the coming weeks. And at number four, we've got LaSalle. LaSalle is a $77 billion assets under management platform. It's the assets under management and the, that, that, Subsidiary comes from the real estate firm LaSalle that backs the whole plat project. And they are working with real blocks to use blockchain for secondary liquidity mechanics. So they're, they're not necessarily fully blockchain their whole portfolio. They're not to securitizing all of it, but they are going to be leveraging the technology in many different ways to improve secondary liquidity for some of their assets, as well as to potentially get some collateral behind it. Over at our consulting arm security advisors, we call that putting you on the digital
2: rails so that at one point when you do want to go enter the tokenization world, you're ready to do it. Number five, last but not least, you have to know that Wall Street bets Decentralized app has officially listed its product on Merge. This is a big deal. You can trade like politicians, as they say. And most importantly, it is a security token that is now one more in the industry, this time on the Liquid uh, blockchain. Very,
1: very cool stuff. Shout out to Digital Markets and to everybody else involved in that platform. And now with that, let's go to John for the industry news.
3: What's up, tokenizers? I'm John Pippen. Welcome back to my side of the blockchain, as well as the industry news portion of the show. Let's get this section started with a little bit of hype building. So a study conducted by the tokenization platform Token City produced some exciting findings. Apparently over half of the fund managers they surveyed have already started to focus on tokenization. And 85% of them also believe financial service providers run the risk of being left behind if they aren't prepared. The platform Token City states that most fund managers who are testing the market have very small levels of exposure to security tokens, as they are investigating the markets in terms of how it works, the infrastructure, and the liquidity. So with that said, we have another tech platform here helping to make sure the security token industry has the technology it needs to make sure that those same fund managers have the infrastructure in place to support this transition. So Polymesh, a blockchain built specifically for security tokens, just unveiled a grant program for developers. The Polymesh grant program's goal is to foster developer firepower for things like tokenized exchanges, cross-chain settlement engine, wallet integrations, and the finance-oriented Block Explorer. The chief over at Polymesh, Graham Moore, says Polymesh is meant to support the trading of virtually any kind of physical or digital asset deemed security. And this can include everything from traditional stocks to racehorses, artwork and commercial real estate. So up next, we have Dealmaker, another tech provider in the space just announced its acquisition of an Austin, Texas based Rich Growth Agency, a company who focuses on acquiring digital investors. So Dealmaker is a capital raising tech platform. And then we have Rich Growth Agency who specializes in Reg A+, CF and d 506 Ridge Growth has helped issuers raise over $350 million across 30 campaigns in the last 18 months. John Stead, CEO and co-founder of Ridge Growth, stated that they are excited to join the DealMaker team and want to keep pushing the capital markets forward. Rebecca Kakaba, CEO and co-founder of DealMaker, stated that DealMaker will continue to make acquisitions that give more power to issuers and create efficiency in the capital raising process. So moving on to the regulatory front. There's a very quiet case in progress right now with the SEC in a simple lawsuit with a small blockchain company called Library, but spelled L-B-R-Y. The case is centered around their native token, the LBC, and whether it's a security or not. While the coin only has a market cap of $21 million, lawyers interviewed by Coindesk are stating that this lawsuit against Library could end up setting a regulatory precedent for hundreds of small-scale crypto projects. So, Library is a blockchain-based file sharing and payment network designed to create a publication platform that allows uncensored and unlimited digital content interaction. Financial transactions like tipping, subscription, or paid content will be allowed on the platform through LBC, which, as I stated before, is a token currency. The SEC accused Library of using the proceeds from the LBC sale to pay for operating business expenses. And unlike Bitcoin and other decentralized c- cryptocurrencies, LBC is managed by a central team and is also being accused by the SEC for making ambitious promises which in turn affect the token's future value. Additionally, Library also publicly announced to its community that it planned to engage with a market maker, which is just another event that increases token price. So with that said, these circumstances make up why the SEC thinks that LBC could be a security. The SEC recently had to file a motion to extend the trial discovery phase, arguing that Library had not produced certain documents. Library responded with their own tweet stating that the case had already been open for 196 weeks and they've complied on every step of the way providing over 1 million documents. Ending the tweet with, and I quote, these people are evil. Well, that's it for me. On to Not Evil Megan with your STO updates and I will catch you tokenizers on the other side of blockchain.
4: Welcome back everyone. As you know, I'm Megan and I'm here every single week to spread all the breaking news in the token industry. Also, an unbiased plug before we jump in, my show with Jessica Burns, Spillin' the NFT, is releasing every single Tuesday, including tomorrow. Be sure to check that out. This week, we are spilling the tea about the blockchain, and additionally, we're giving away NFTs. Follow Spillin' the NFT 305 on Instagram for all the details and your chance to win. Okay, now into the news. First up, we have Stobox, a tokenization provider They've come with news of a new security token offering for Farmland Assets Incorporated. Farmland Assets is an agricultural firm raising capital to purchase large blocks of rural farmland in agrarian states. The land purchase would be used to grow cash crops. Farmland Assets aims to raise 15 to $30 million and the presale at a 30% discount is now open. They have an angle of diversification by purchasing land in multiple regions. And additionally, they expect to deliver returns to token holders through yield from the crop harvest and farmland price growth. This STO will allow them to expand business by purchasing more land and setting up farm operations on some of the most productive farmland in the world. The farmland assets team has 100 years of combined business experience in agriculture and the import-export industry, along with other diverse experience such as successful track records of startups, joint ventures, restructuring, financial turnarounds, acquisitions, and more. Next up, we have Renewablocks. This is a renewable energy company that will mine Bitcoin and tokenize their ownership on the Ravencoin blockchain through a security token offering. Blocks embraces all renewable energy sources and they are currently focused on solar energy to power their Bitcoin mining farm. On top of renewable energy, RenewaBlox plans on utilizing immersion cooling technology. This helps in a few ways. It increases their efficiency of their Bitcoin mining operation, reduces overall power consumption, and retains hash rate to remain competitive in the rapidly expanding crypto mining industry. Renewablox's STO provides investors an avenue to become a Bitcoin miner at any investment level without purchasing any mining equipment. This is accomplished through paying investors Bitcoin distributions based on the amount of Renewablox security tokens each investor holds. RenewaBlox's fixed supply STO is a unique opportunity for all investors. Through RenewaBlox, you can invest in an appreciating security token and receive distributions in Bitcoin for owning the tokens. Visit RenewaBlox.com to learn more, and pledging begins soon. That is all I have for you this week, and I can't wait to see you guys next week to deliver some more heat. Sam Sachs is out, but we have our lead data analyst, Anish to deliver this week's best updates.
0: Good morning, everyone. Happy Monday. My name is Anish Shinkray. I'm the lead data scientist here at Security Token Market, here to give you this week's market update. So let's talk Singapore. Singapore has this trading platform, ADDX. It's a private secondary trading exchange. And the leader just announced a $850 million projected transaction volume for 2022 and 2023. This is incredibly exciting news given the historical illiquidity of security tokens, and we're so happy to see increased transaction volume being included into the space, especially in the Asia Pacific region. ADDX is gonna specialize in REITs, pre-IPO shares, structured products, and other fractional decentralized blockchain-based products backed by distributed ledger technology. So let's talk residential real estate. Security token market recently launched a commercial and residential real estate secondary trading report and we found out that in 2020 we were only tracking 11 residential properties in 2021 that number was 83 residential properties and now here in 2022 that number is 173 properties this is incredible because we see exponential hockey stick-like growth from the residential real estate space and it shows the industry how capable residential real estate is despite properties being of a smaller size how capable it is to be efficient and scalable based on blockchain technology and bringing over liquidity from historically illiquid asset class.
5: That's all for this week. Appreciate you tuning in, and we will catch you next week. Wakey, wakey. Welcome to Inside the Metaverse with your host, Eve Banco. Sketchers enters the metaverse with new trademark filings, and it's the first to sign a lease in the fashion district of Decentraland. Following, we have Slim Jim trademark filings revealing metaverse plans. The company rebranded its Twitter to Meta in October, throwing shade at Facebook's meta rebrand. But it appears the brand's disses about building the Metaverse have been serious all along. Next up, the Sandbox partners with World of Women to make the metaverse more inviting of women, and the foundation will kick off a $25 million grant from the Sandbox dedicated to bolstering the representation of women in the decentralized web spaces. Lastly, Space Runners has raised 10 million in a funding round co-led by Polychain and Pantera Capital. Space Runners, which launched its first NBA champion sneaker collection with former NBA champions and Kyle Kuzma and Nick Young last December, began minting NFTs in the Solana blockchain, but now plans to bring its vision of a fashion metaverse to Ethereum and other chains. That was Inside the Metaverse with your host, Eve Banco.
1: So, Hurley, for our Companies of the Week segment, this is, I think, one of my favorite sections This is where you and I get to pick the two companies in the space that caught our eye that we really wanted to give a specific shout out for. And so I'm just going to kick right off here with my Company of the Week for Tell episode us. 131, which is ABC FinTech. Now, ABC FinTech has launched their platform and specifically their security token, ABC Tokens, Asset Backed Crypto is the acronym there, around real estate. They've got commercial portfolios, they've got residential real- estate. Right now they've got about 3 million in assets under management and they're looking to scale that tremendously through across the entire United States. They've got a lot of great members on their advisory board as well as some interesting investors and we actually sat down with them for an interview. They came to the office and I was able to get to know the founder a little bit better and understand how the platform goes. You definitely need to check that out. I was impressed by the success that they've had so far and it's also they're included in our real estate report which as of the time of publishing you can now purchase that through the Cointelegraph platform, Peter Gaffney and Anish Shinkray were tremendous in creating an awesome report, 30-plus pages of deep real estate research. I guarantee that you've never read this stuff before. It's all blockchain tokenized assets. So shout out to ABC FinTech and all the amazing things that they're doing. Check out our interview with them. That's also going to be live oh, this, this week. That was a
2: great interview and actually a great choice This company of the week. They're doing big things, innovating in that real estate space. That's really, really cool. Now, Kyle, my company of the week isn't necessarily a company. Mm. I've done it in the past saw on the show, not many times, but in this case, I have to nominate the SEC, mm. the Securities and Exchange Commission. Now, not a lot of people are fans of the SEC. They usually get a bad rep in the crypto commu- the crypto community, you know, for actually, obviously, trying to bring regulation to it all. Uh, and even still, the other side of the, the trade with Wall Street, if you will, also looks at SEC as kind of like the bad guy. So yeah, they kind of, you know, no one ever really loves that no, enforcement uh, body. But in this case, I got to give it out to the SEC for once again, continuing to do their jobs. There were ICO scams still to this day, this one, the latest one they went after, a 124 million dollar brother sister team that scammed people out through uh, essentially two different coin offerings. They called it the Ormeus coin. Uh, specifically, they said they were going to you know use it to deploy into mining and gain certain profitability, et cetera. And of course, they did no such thing. It was a straight up scam. So the fact that the SEC is still going after means that there is no ICO that is safe. For those that were doing illicit, illicit and fraudulent activity, that's just not something we want in the crypto industry or in the financial world. And so therefore, we got to remind ourselves that even though we don't necessarily like all of the policies and regulations that they have to enforce, we have to give it out to them for doing a great job and continuing to make sure that people can safely invest and participate in the financial
1: ecosystem we're all creating. As we like to say to people in crypto, just follow the rules. They're, they're there. They exist. We know what they are. Whether you like them or not doesn't change the fact that you got to play by the rules and you got to stick to the script. So I think that that's a good choice. And with that, Kyle, let's go into our main topic. Boomers buy Biden's Bitcoin bill. <laughs>
2: a crude way of saying binds executive order isn't actually quite too old timely. In fact, it could be seen potentially as encouraging for the industry because what's really going on here is they are seeking, the Biden administration is seeking research from a variety of regulatory bodies to learn more about crypto and specifically around seven key areas.
1: Yeah, so let's give a little context here, right? A couple months ago, the news leaked that Biden was going to be coming out with an executive order condemning crypto, potentially spilling the end of everything as we know it, claiming that they're all securities or this is all illegal or it's banned in the United States. That's exactly the opposite thing actually happened. It was quite bullish, I think, and and certainly compared to what people were expecting. But that being said, they did acknowledge a lot of the potential risks and things that they would like to solve moving forward with this industry. So I think we can just dive right into it. In fact, we'll break them down each seven one by one. We thought we were going to get this
2: in February. Unfortunately, the Ukraine crisis, which of course our thoughts and prayers go out there, Uh, Delayed that and now we've seen what exactly this is all about starting with number one here protecting consumers always a great way to lead this is exactly the purpose of the regulatory bodies all around the country and so figuring out where crypto needs to protect the average individual we're talking about grandma and grandpa all the way to the fresh you know innovative bright minds that are looking to leverage cryptocurrency making sure that people are still protected because one thing's for sure. The industry is very volatile and it's built a reputation for people coming in at the top and losing money, getting rug pulled, scams. We just talked about an earlier ICO getting enforced by the SEC. And due to the regulatory confusion and the sort of wild westness of it all, it's certainly built to a little bit of a stigma over the past
1: few years, I'd say, to say the least. Right? Yeah, we've seen Gary Gensler come out and suggest that perhaps the accredited investor definition needs to be raised to you know, essentially prevent more people from being able to invest in deals. And so I think along the same lines here, Biden is suggesting that, that protecting consumers is definitely a priority. That's number one because of, as you mentioned, mentioned really the reason of this whole draft. But number two is the other side of it, not only protecting consumer protections and stability, but also protecting the U.S. financial stability. So not allowing the United States financial ecosystem to become over leveraged on an incredibly volatile asset class that could potentially really have earthquakes around the whole system, making sure that they have sustainable practices and they're properly hedged to prevent against any really crazy fast movements in any direction. No doubt about it. The idea that
2: Bitcoin becomes a decentralized currency certainly puts the U.S. dollar in a worse position than it is is currently the reserve currency of the world. So how that affects our financial economic stability certainly is something that should be researched. And even though they're far from popular right now, Russia, we did see that they actually the legislators over there admitted that there's nothing they could do to stop cryptocurrency. So they actually encouraged its adoption in order to prevent further financial potential instability. As a result of not having, you know, actually started to leverage the actual underlying technology. Now, number three, we're actually looking to address fraud and the ongoing illicit activity that has already been identified. There's certainly no doubt about it. There's plenty of blockchain solutions out there that have supported privacy and uh, full on anonymity to enable all kinds of new financial services which may be potentially even designed altruistically to help someone who is you know potentially unbanked mm-hmm. to give them a means to get into a banking system but at the end of the day certainly bad perpetrators are taking advantage of it and so it makes sense how do we do some research into making sure how can we prevent further illicit activity and fraud that's being leveraged in the use of the cryptocurrency technology
1: yeah you've already seen how the board apes yacht club has now begun kyc amling the users in order of their you know advance of their drop of their specific token you may see increased kyc aml restrictions coming around a lot of these different processes as these permissionless protocols prevent or present risks for illicit activity and and could potentially allow for illegal activities or money laundering and things like that and of course the government wants to crack down on those things which is one of the benefits of blockchain No one is safe. This information is there forever. You can track a lot of this stuff, which is, I think, why they're interested in it. Number four is that they want to reinforce the U.S. financial leadership, just like what you mentioned. Despite the fact that Bitcoin could present a risk factor to the U.S. dollar dominance around the world, they want to make sure that the U.S. financial system is still a leader and they don't want to be left behind with new technologies. We've seen how the U.S. economy has grown with Web2, with tech growing across every industry and dominating the world and they don't want to be left behind in the crypto space in case it follows the same route. I think that that's very smart and one of the main risk factors I think that in the past was presented at the U.S. is that look international jurisdictions are more forward thinking around crypto and the U.S. could be left behind if they don't move quickly enough and so it's great to see that at least from you know the words on the wall here that they're conscious of that and are looking to actively you know, encourage innovation despite the the risk factors they've already identified.
2: And that's a big deal because certainly this concept of international, you know, arbitrage where we give an edge to other countries, that's certainly not something that the U.S. wants to see happen. So that's great news, but also for moving into number five, They also do see the value of what this technology is. They recognize that this is a revolution in financial services, and they want to research how can we actually leverage this technology for Americans and potentially for people around the world to access safe and affordable, specifically, financial services using this blockchain technology and cryptocurrency, which I think is fantastic. It means that they're not just saying, how do we regulate an industry? How do we control it? How do we make sure we understand what's going on? But they're actually embracing the fact that we. We could actually use this within our own government, potentially within our own country, and leverage a better financial ecosystem for all.
1: Which is also interesting because this Is a little bit contradictory to that idea of creating higher accreditation standards and less access for retail investors, right? Creating affordable and safer financial services is potentially something that would present an opportunity for all retail investors and they're keeping that in mind as well. So we potentially see a little bit of a checks and balances system in here, which maybe is best in the long run. Number six, we have that they want to support technological advances. This is also great, this is embracing innovation. This is the American capitalist model, really in a nutshell of we wanna create a platform and a base layer so that everything can thrive on top of it and they don't want to stifle innovation in the name of trying to protect everyone, which case everyone loses because great, you're protected but you offered no exposure to anything and now you're behind everyone else in the relative sense. So I think that supporting technological advances and reinforcing financial leadership Are really, really important. It's great to see both those terms were included in this executive order. That's a
2: big deal to do with an earlier point regarding U.S. financial leadership, right? You know, it's the fact that we do have to embrace development and R&D and innovation in our borders in order to keep that leadership position. And that leads to, of course, last but not least, number seven, a hot topic of a federal-issued central bank digital currency, a.k.a. a digital dollar. We've talked about it many times on the show. If it's your first time hearing, go check out one of our previous episodes where we break it all down. There's a lot that could go into a central bank digital currency. It could be just wholesale, a.k.a. in the background. It could be retail. Uh, where we're actually able to use it in an everyday sense, like we've seen in China, which already has a full-blown central bank digital currency all across their country. So that makes a a pressure on the United States, as well as many other countries around the world that are researching this technology, how the United States ends up leveraging uh, such a a, a use case. That's not certain. Again, this is an executive order around research. So what this is, is really is in a little bit of a way, a bit of a stall, because ultimately, we do expect this year, probably uh, for the Biden administration and then use this research to come out with some executive order that does potentially have some significant impact
1: on the industry. But meanwhile, we will continue to forge ahead. So basically, by my count, I've got three anti crypto points here. We've got protecting consumers, protecting financial stability and preventing fraud. Right. So saying that, OK, crypto presents these problems. We've got three of those. But then we've got four that are pretty positive. We've got reinforcing financial leadership, accessing safe and affordable financial services, supporting technological advances, and more CBDC research. So by my count, it ends up being a net positive for the crypto space. Uh, Your math is better than
2: mine, but that is indeed a, a majority. Uh, I will say though, but definitely that last one, the Fed CBDC could go both ways depending on how you look at it. So we might be looking at a clean in the middle executive order here. So hopefully folks, you learned that something here and you enjoyed the breakdown. We of course would love and appreciate your feedback, your suggestions, your comments, your questions. We're available always available on all channels. We have a super active Discord community. Kyle and I are on LinkedIn. We're on Twitter. And of course, go check out STOMarket.com. That's where all of the latest security token information from news to trading prices to now
1: reports that you can buy and leverage. uh, It's all there. So thank you so much for checking it out. Like, subscribe, do what you do, share this to all your friends, and we'll talk to you next week. And also, lots of giveaways coming. Be on the lookout. Happy tokenizing.